And we're hot, if you would, sir. May it be your will, and I, my God, uh, our God, that a mishap not come about through us, and may we not stumble in a matter of law and cause our colleagues to rejoice over us, and may we not say regarding something which is Tameh that it is Tahor, and not regarding something which is Tahor that it is Tameh. And may we, and may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of law, and we rejoice over them. For Adonai grants wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding of God. Unveil our eyes that we may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. Okay, Gregory, you've got a guest. Would you like to introduce this fine man? Yes, well, actually, this is a family connection here with the Martins. Uh, this is Brett. Uh, he is uh, he's a good friend of ours. Uh, they had a baby around the same time that we had a baby, so our kids, our, our sons actually, are, are around the same age. His son is uh, named Judah. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you, want, if you want to say anything about it? Thank you for having me. That's it. I'm, uh, You're welcome. Glad anytime. to be out and appreciate you guys having me out. You want something bigger there, buddy? Yeah. You sure? Welcome, Greg. Thank you. I'm trying to remind myself of how young I am while I still can. Yeah, you do that. You do that. Every now and again, my eyes start to blur, and I think, uh-oh, it's coming. Well, I mean, <laughs> Brett's wife working with is work. my niece. And uh, it also happens to be Joshua's cousin. And his cousin. And Josiah's cousin. And his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should not. Yeah, we So we met at the, uh, at the wedding. And there was somebody else there too, right? Wasn't there another couple from your family too? Bar Mitzvah. The wedding Bar Mitzvah. Oh, it's the Bar Mitzvah, right. Bar Mitzvah. The Bar Mitzvah. Right. So who was the other couple? John and You have two from your side of the family? Yeah. John and Morgan, were that right? Yes. John and Morgan. They were. Which is Morgan is Brett's wife's sister. So right. Also happens to be my niece. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good, good, good. All right. So, uh, by way of reminder, I think the uh, the posts that I made kind of confused a couple of folks. In fact, intelligent folks, which is shocking. Um, it would be great if we started this class a year from now, and the study guide was complete. Right. Then you download the study guide one time, and you'd have everything you needed. And if you missed the class, whatever the case might be, you'd be fine uh, because you'd have the entire deal. But we haven't written the whole deal yet. So I've written lesson three, which you'll be studying this week. We'll be go over, going over lesson two tonight. Questions on that? All right. If you don't have an electronic device, I forgot to bring mine. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you know, be a win. It's all right. No, no, no problem. Um, <laughs> If you did not bring a, an electronic device of some type, then uh, the handout for tonight is available for you here. If you have an electronic device, you can just it's at the very end of the study guide. So you guys can uh, work on that together. All right? So a little feedback. How is the reading? Too much reading? Not enough reading? Just about right? You can give me the, you know... What do you think? A little much? Um, well, it was it was uh, really good. It's just sometimes, like I said in the uh, lesson two, it some things do kind of have a doppelganger where it's like the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Or two, two, three, or yeah, four times. Two, three, right. four times. Yeah. yeah. But but, it, but, but that should slow down yeah. after we get past the gospel. Yeah. But besides that, it was it was good. It was okay. Good. good. It was good read. Good. I, I mean, I appreciated the 
to doubling up because it made me look for the differences and similarities. Exactly. Yeah. And it also yeah. seemed more daunting than it actually was. Like to look at the references, you're like, oh my goodness. Well, I'll and, be here for two weeks. And then you read it. And say, yeah, it's it wasn't so bad. Yeah. Okay. Good. No, Is it helpful to have the study guide to kind of prompt you with some questions so that you're you're reading with a purpose? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. 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 Yeah. Good. Other comments? Did you do your homework? Yes. Good boy. Did you do your homework? <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> no, 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 not right now. Brett, there's one rule. By the way, men's room is the open door right there. Get up whenever you want. There's coffee and tea around the side, water, whatever you want. Just make yourself at home. Don't make any noise. Um, the one rule is if you didn't do the homework, don't say a thing. You can't talk. <laughs> Sorry. Unless you get asked a question. Unless you get asked a question, yeah. And we'll, or, we'll try to do that too. Or if you're... everyone didn't do the homework. Then we just, it's a free <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's no, exactly right. so funny. That's exactly right. All right, so uh, for, uh, for my substitutes at some point here, Joshua and Gregory, possibly uh, Scott and Greg and Brock and... All of you should uh, eventually be able to just jump in here. Um, I'm just kind of walking through real quick to see if anybody had any questions or the problems with a certain question or a passage or whatever, and then I'm going to jump into um, the one-off that I'm doing each night, which is at the end of the document, okay? So I'm picking up on page 19. I'm just going to walk through real quick. If you've got any questions or comments um, about what you read... Um, Did you get the whole deal about the Septuagint thing? <coughs> nope. Missed the Septuagint thing. Okay. Yep. Anybody? The, the quotes that, in fact, the vast majority of the quotes that the apostolic writers use of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, are not word for word from our Bibles. And the, the reason for that is that they're not quoting normally from the Hebrew Bible, they're quoting from the Septuagint. From the Septuagint, right? The Tanakh in Greek. So, under that question, I was I just had no idea. So I was just like English translation question mark. Like, well, you can always blame it on Trump, right? Well, that, <laughs> that, works too. that was the second line underneath that. But well, yeah, but yeah. I was actually not far off because it's they were quoting Greek as if. You know, ours would not be worked for it if you compared it. The English would not be worked for it if you compared it with the two different versions so or something. Like exactly. exactly. So it is actually similar to what I thought it was. Just yeah. Different. But that's that's the deal. And, and quite frankly, there are some nuances there that you might want to check out. Uh, in some cases, the words are a little bit different. But it becomes a Rosetta Stone for us, if you will, if we really want to know what was the apostolic writer trying to give us, or trying to communicate by looking back at the Septuagint. We can figure out what Hebrew word that was and then take it from there. Right? Is everybody clear on that? Okay. Yeah. Is that evidence that maybe it was written in Greek the first time? Uh, that what was written in Greek? The books of the, um, the apostolic scriptures? Nicene. Protestant. Yeah. For the you guys that were, were not here, um, our, our goal is to try and disabuse ourselves of the terms New Covenant, uh, New Testament, uh, or Brit Karasha, or uh, you know that kind of thing. Uh, because they imply, if this is the New Testament, 
Well, then this other stuff must be the Old, old Testament. Testament, right? If it's a new covenant, well, then, well, then there's an old, you know, that kind of thing. So we're going to try and abuse ourselves, disabuse ourselves of that by using the term either apostolic scriptures or apostolic writings, or as we heard last week, the the what is it? Nicene codicil. Nazarene. Nazarene codicil. Nicene. I think that would be. Uh, that would be a Catholic kind of We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Yeah. All right, so uh, we've got a warning uh, in uh, John 5 when he heals. Uh, what's, what's the warning he gives us in verse 14? And uh, based on, I'm at the bottom of page 19, Ezra 9 and Psalm 107. What, what are we looking at there? Does anybody remember? Did anybody write that down? Josh, would you write anything down there? It says that he should not continue to sin, or that he would do yes. what happen. This is... Uh, Pretty controversial thing in, in Christendom, right? You, why are you sick? Are you sick because you must have sinned. So if you stop sinning, you'll probably get better. What do you think of that concept? It's, it's a little thornier than it seems because you look at like like David when he uh, committed adultery, and there was a definite cause and effect. He Absolutely. did something, and, some, and, and he was punished for it. And the scripture gives that to us. Yeah, but also you have an example of somebody like Job, who didn't necessarily do anything, but he was he had all this stuff happen to him just because he was being tested. Exactly. Right. So I'd be hesitant to say something bad is happening to you because you sinned. I'm with you 100. percent Would you work with me this way? Hey, man, you seem to be having a tough time. Perhaps if you spend some time in repentance, things might go better. You got my vote. Right? I have no idea <laughs> if this sin is causing his sickness or problems, but is it possible? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, not only not, not just possible, but the Lord makes it clear to at least this one. And Scripture points out that if you sin, things might not go too well. In James 5, yeah. he talks about like an end, like more like an if. So, right? So, like, the, you have a, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So, not assuming that he's done anything wrong yet. Right. And then it says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Good. So, kind yeah. of yeah. It, it can be either way. Exactly right. Now we're gonna. I want you to remember this topic because we're gonna close with that uh, later this evening. So uh, we talked about whether or not the master last week had ever claimed to be God. We see the same thing now uh, this week here. Um, Frederick points out from Florida, by the way, uh, that generically the Torah teaches the curses come from disobedience. And the blessings come from obedience. Yeah. Absolutely correct. We just don't know each time. All right. Uh, I skipped over the Beatitudes because we can go over those at another time. We, uh, we bump into our first non-Jew. And if you'll recall, the reason that we're studying here is not only to become more familiar with the apostolic scriptures, uh, but also to see what are we supposed to do? As non-Jews, what's our obligation to God, to his Torah, to his Messiah? And, and where do we fit in? Um, so who's the, who's the first non-Jew 
that uh, he interacts with. Yes, the uh, centurion. He is a centurion. The Roman mentioned. centurion. That's right. What's so, a centurion? Uh, an officer in the Roman army. And by definition, he has how many men under him? Rules over one hundred. Century, centurion. Yeah, he's got a hundred guys. Okay, good. Um, technically, according to Luke and Mark, he didn't actually interact with Yeshua. He sent people. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, he sent the leaders of the Jews, which implies that he was kind of doing that. I'm in charge. You're just Jews. I'm the Roman in charge, potentially. Or he could have asked them, would you on my behalf go? But it uses the word sent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he sent them. So but they could have, I mean, I think you, you can kind of read between the lines that they pleaded with Yeshua on his behalf. And, you know, we've got two different perspectives. That's, that's the beauty of the Gospels, right? We've got these synoptic Gospels that parallel one another. So we see the, the passage in different perspectives. We've got it in Matthew 11 as well as in Luke 7. Uh, or is it Matthew 8? One of the two. It's Matthew 8. Yeah, Matthew 8 yeah. and Luke 7. So we, we see it there. Um, did, you, did you catch? If you, how, many, how many of you can uh, read the, the Greek of the New Testament? And do okay with that. Yeah. Um, so this this whole parakletos, the the um, the what we learn in the church with the flannel graphs and all of that is that the Holy Spirit is that encourager who comes alongside. You've you've heard that in the church in the teachings. Yes. Um, this is the same word, the parakletos. He uh, it's the same word for helper and uh, appealing there in Matthew. This is all the same kind of word that Yeshua uses to describe the way the Holy Spirit works with and for us, coming alongside, encouraging us, and and being a helper, as it were. So, good news. Um, did he get healed? Yep. Yes, he did. And how did that come about? Give me, give me just the, the high level. I mean, some of the people in Florida can't read the Bible, so you know, give it up. <laughs> um, what happened? Take issue test. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a trick question. What sure, happened? You sure well, said he would go heal him, right? And and the Roman officer said, "Whoa, that's not necessary." Right. He he because, really he really positioned himself, right? Because um, let's see. I can't. I I know what he said, but let's see. He said he wasn't. Uh, wasn't he wasn't worthy of his presence. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't worthy. I had an opportunity to have an Orthodox rabbi come to my home uh, a couple years ago. How long have you been married? Five years. Five years. Five years, five years ago. <laughs> five six years ago, and uh, it was his first time visiting my home. And when he got to the door. You know, he's got his keep on and all that. He wasn't wearing black or anything. He's a modern Orthodox kind of guy. And he started to walk in, and I shook his hand, and I put my hand on his chest, and I stopped him from coming in. I said, I just want you to know where I'm coming from. I want you to understand that I'm blessed because you're coming under my roof. And I recognize the pecking order. 
that God, the Holy One, blessed is He, set up. He didn't choose me. He chose you. Great way to start out. You know, if you want to borrow money, I tried out with anybody you want. Uh, but it worked out well, and the centurion gives us the same kind of response. Like, well, you don't have to send anybody. He gives two reasons here. One, he wants to stop him because he doesn't feel worthy to have him come under the, his own roof. But what was the second one? And this is what blew away the master. You understand the story? He said, I told my soldiers go, and they go. I told them come, and they come. And I told them do this, and they do that. There it is. So Boom. what is, in, in one word, what did Mr. Upham say is the concept here that he understands? The concept of, starts with A, ends with three teeth. Authority. Authority. <laughs> he, has, he understands authority, and he understands that Yeshua is that authority, right? That's astonishing. What are your thoughts on both the concept that we as non-Jews are second class, if you will? You may disagree, and you're welcome to do so. Uh, and what are, what's, your, uh, what's your concept of the authority do? Feel free to jump in. If you don't, I'll, I'll call him. Yes, Gregor. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead and point out. Which, which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two Gregors. Oh, Gregors. Well, I disagree that non-Jews are second class. Okay. Um, I mean, yes, God has a chosen people. Okay. Um, uh, so there are roles mm -hmm. to play, uh, but the, it doesn't mean one is... For less class, than right, just means roles are different. Um, uh, the sages say a Gentile that keeps the Torah is equivalent to the Kohen Hagadol. That's right. Um, so uh, anyway, so that was point number one. Before you move on to point number two, I went to a uh, I went to a funeral, and uh, of course the, they're going to sit shiva. For those of you unfamiliar with that, they're going to sit for seven days, shiva seven. Uh, and they're they're going to remember the one that they've lost. Okay. While, so, uh, while we Americans just go just sit there for a couple hours. Not just Americans, but generally Christians. Generally, right. yeah. yeah. So each evening, you go to their house and you just sit with them. It's pretty cool. It normally ends with some a time of prayer. It's normally liturgical, so they pass out prayer books. You pray. Some guy is going to gather up the prayer books and. This was a, uh, a Russian family. They had actually escaped persecution as Jews by leaving Russia. So most of their friends around here are Russian. In fact, they're Russian Jews. Uh, so we showed up, and we know the prayers, so we were just praying with them and, you know, noshing on the food and all of that. And when the prayers were done, I helped the old guy who was gathering up the prayer books He's putting them into a suitcase, a little roller job, and brilliant, really. And uh, I'm putting them away, and my wife and kids are heading out the door, so I'm trying to finish up, and he grabs a hold of my wrist as I'm backing away from the suitcase. So my other hand starts to go for my handgun, of course, <laughs> as I'm sure it would for you, too. And I looked up at him, and he said, you're blessed. I said, thank you. Why do you say that? And he said, we Jews have to keep the Torah. But you, you non-Jews, 
You're doing it because you want to. And God will bless you. I thought that was really cool. I really did. Point number two. Well, just uh, on the fact that he, given his stature and given his particular insight into what real authority means right. and what it means to wield it properly and everything right. and whatnot, he recognizes that this this Jewish rabbi is farther up the pecking order than he is. And, and even beyond. And, and that his authority goes beyond commanding people to do things, but he commands yeah. the elements, yeah. and in this yeah. particular case... Sickness and disease and whatever else, right? I got to tell you, for as a ten-year army veteran and actually having at times that kind of authority, my, my I don't have that kind of faith. I really don't. I wish I did, but I, I, I can confess to you that I just, I find that extraordinary. I wish I had that kind of faith. You know, I feel like Peter. You know, it's like, Lord, strengthen my faith. Other comments. I was uh, was kind of, I was really surprised that oh sorry. No, you're, you're <laughs> I was really surprised that this Roman centurion would actually do that. I mean, not very often you see a Roman coming up to a um, uh, how, how do you, let's see how do you categorize Jesus? I mean, anyway, Rabbi. Yeah, we could say that. So how uh, how literally how often do you see a Roman yeah. centurion come to a rabbi and ask for his ask for, for like uh, ask for his help for his servant? I yeah. mean, how it's crazy it's already is that? beyond. But I, I think that goes back to your point that these other these Jews were were imploring the master coming alongside and saying you should help him. He built their synagogue. He's a great guy and all of that. Gregor. Just one thing that has really stood out to me as we've been kind of reading through this is actually the concept of authority. Everything that he does, that Yeshua does, it's like constantly coming back to like people considering him with more and more authority. And what's interesting is it, it's like the, that's, I, it makes sense now why everybody thinks that he's a prophet. Because if you think of like the three pretty big categories in Israel, you've got king, priest, prophet, right? And so he didn't look like a priest. He doesn't look like a king, so he must be a prophet, which is why they keep guessing, like, oh, maybe he's, like, John the Baptist reincarnated, maybe he's Elijah, you know, maybe, uh, and so they're, they're making all these guesses. He must just be a prophet, because, like, nobody, no common person could ever speak yeah. with this much authority. No right. common person could wield this much authority over, over everything, and it's just crazy, because everybody recognizes that, that he encounters, like, the it's in the rare cases where he deals with somebody that also has some authority where there's a little bit of a rub but everyone else just seems like either like literally frightened because of how much authority he yeah. has or like wanting to do whatever he says immediately I, I'm with you 100% I also think that on the flip side throughout everything we've read so far Yeshua is making it clear he, too, is one under authority. He doesn't say anything unless the Father told him to say. He doesn't do anything of his own. He's doing it because the Father told him to do it. I think that's extraordinary. Because really and truly, that's the way the military is. You just don't have a guy 
who's the authority, who isn't also under another authority. Well, Hang on one second. That's the definition Could I ask you to kind of handle the whole texting me thing? Tom is texting from Florida. He's got some good points there. We'll raise those in just a second, but I can't do both at the same time. Mm. I got you. Just to dovetail onto uh, Gregory's comments. <laughs> <laughs> Your own comments. <laughs> I would I would make the point that people think he's a prophet for good reason mm -hmm. because he actually is a prophet. Mm -hmm. When he came and walked the planet two thousand years ago, he did not come. I would argue this. You know, some people might find this, this statement odd, but he did not come primarily in the role of Messiah. Right. Prophet, priest, he is, and king. He is Messiah. He surely wasn't there to be the Messiah but at that time. But when he came, he came and he was operating in the office of a prophet. Which, what does a prophet do? Call people to repentance, perform signs and wonders. Amen. That's exactly what Yeshua does. And, and, that's, and so he is a prophet. And we see later on, after his resurrection, he now is interfacing for us in the role of priest. When he comes terrible. back, Messiah King. Messiah King. And well, and that actually makes Peter's statement that he's the Mashiach, like Messiah, like that have that much more weight, which is why, like, right. Yeshua responds by saying, like, okay, yeah. you're, you're absolutely, you're, you nailed you, it, but you, don't tell anybody that. You didn't figure that one out on your own. That's good. Exactly. Good. Like, yeah. That is almost evidence that, like, there is something different inside Peter at that moment. Like, yeah. I mean, the fact that he would have yeah. jumped there instead of where everyone else was going, well, just saying he's a prophet, yeah, let's, let's, was astonishing. Let's give Peter the due he's due and not give him the due he's not due. The master made it clear where he got that one from, and not more than five or six verses later, Peter's on the wrong side of that canoe already, paddling the wrong way. So, hey, anyway. <laughs> gotta love Peter. <laughs> Speaks his mind. Yes? I have several things. Okay. Some of which are not are from... So, Tom, Tom Brown, going back to the question of, you know, are non-Jews citizens, yes. he asked the question... Does an adopted child have the same standing as your own child? I say I, I saw his comment on that, and he's kind of dovetailing with Greg, and they're both wrong uh, okay. because they misunderstood my question. Uh, but okay. we'll come back to that. Short. Okay, okay. So um, I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I had something for this 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 part, um, Matthew eight. The most significant. Um, thing that happened in this whole interaction is that to me wasn't even anything we've discussed already. It was what Yeshua said after he reacted to the centurion having such an amazing reaction. Mm. Reaction, I um, is what he, he said in Matthew eight eleven and twelve, which was, "Moreover, I tell you that many will come from the east and from the west to take their places at the feast in the kingdom of heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But those born for the kingdom will be thrown outside in the dark, where people will wail and grind their teeth." Mm. And that to me says. The Gentiles have a place in the covenant, mm. which to me, for some reason, I didn't realize that Yeshua ever actually directly said that. I thought Paul was the one who brought that That's on. That's good. But it, it's, it was just affirming to me. It's like, no, Paul didn't invent this, or he didn't, you right. know, he was the first to say this. He, Yeshua said it the moment he interacted with the non-Jew, or the first recorded moment we had. Right. I thought that was huge. Yeah, but, that is Repeat his statement again? From the Master way. talks about, in, in, uh, in the kingdom of heaven, yep. that... I'll read it again. Moreover, um, I tell you that many will come from the east and from the west to take their places at the feast in the kingdom of heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But those born for the kingdom will be thrown outside in the dark where people will wail and grind their teeth. So he's born 
going for for the kingdom. Yeah. So basically, he's saying, if I can paraphrase, there will be non-Jews there who are taking the places of some who were born as Jews, yeah. um, and therein lies really the difference where I was coming from. That sure, you know, Tom's leaning towards the adopted son. I was not talking about those who have joined themselves, those non-Jews who have joined themselves to Israel. I'm talking about non-Jews versus Jews. Another way, pagans versus Jews. Non-believers <laughs> Israel versus, versus Jews. Israel versus the nations. Right. Exactly. And Israel versus the world. Sure. And nobody wants to hear that they weren't chosen. How many of you? Well, you guys, you're not even allowed to play kickball and dodgeball anymore, right? I mean, it's probably against the law because it's not safe or something like that. <laughs> but I was always the last guy to get chosen for dodgeball. I was always the last guy to get chosen on the baseball. I was the last guy for bas- basketball. You know, I'm carrying towels. You know, I didn't even get to touch the ball. So I get it. Now I'm part of the kingdom. By the way, for those of you who grew up in Christendom and believe that the marriage supper of the Lamb will be in heaven, it's probably a misreading on your teacher's part. It's in the kingdom of heaven, not heaven. Good. Other comments? More comments? Well, this this is for Fred. So, um, he asked, does the centurion just think he's talking to a Jewish person slash rabbi, or does he think Yeshua is more... In other words, is this the way the centurion would act towards any respected teacher, or is it because he believes that Yeshua is the one? Question. I, my personal view is, uh, I mean, he obviously, because he's described as someone who loves Israel, presumably has some sort of affinity for the Jewish people, right. evidenced by him funding the construction of the synagogue, right? So... So he probably was respectful to all uh, rabbis and, and, and leaders, uh, but something tells me that he probably recognized Yeshua as being different because of what, what, he, what the testimony of what was what he was doing and 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 so forth. That's my my. I I can't disagree. I had a second part to what I was saying because I only talked about the authority part. But so do you have to question. review the first part? Like we no, just no, jumped just exactly. <laughs> okay. About, uh, about whether or not second-class citizens, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because one thing that I was thinking of as I was kind of reading through this, and it sort of comes out a little bit more later on when we read about Yeshua's interaction with the woman who wants him to to heal her. We're getting to that. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, yeah. Reading just ahead. here, though, it reading does, ahead. Well, sorry, sorry. It just is that in lesson three, or is that still in lesson two? That was lesson two. We're it's still in lesson two. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, you can talk about it. Go ahead. Well, uh, just just his he he really brings home in that point, and then in other places in the gospels as well that he's here for the lost sheep of Israel. He, he brings home my point. Right. Right. That's yeah, that, that yeah, is why Yeshua. So, like, yeah. basically, if you just read through the gospels, you might think that like there's like a couple like one-off non-Jews that like have some cool interaction with him, but that that is like not the focus at all yeah. if you just read the Gospels. And and I think that makes sense because of his mission, and even even that harkens a little bit back to what he was talking about, coming for the sick and not for the ones that are not sick. Exactly. You know, Coming, um, coming for those who need repentance, not for those and, who are righteous. But also coming for the ones that can help 
the others, right? So like coming for those in his own of his own people that could then be lights to the nations, sure. right? Like so, like sure. let's not start with the Gentiles and have them teach the Jews. Like let's start with the Jews and then right. they can exactly. be lights. Like and, they're and supposed back to, to be. Back to Greg's point last week. Had they repented, had they accepted him, he would have ushered in the kingdom, which is problematic. But it really was a legitimate offer. They just would not. Good. All right, so I'm on page 20, believe it or not. Uh, the widow name. I wanted to make one last oh, little... Go ahead, Todd. Um, the centurion thing. I thought it was an interesting little side note that he's saying, I'll come, I'll come and heal him. Yeah. And he said, no, no need. And therefore, he did not go into a Gentile's home. He left that for Peter. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Yeah, so um, Todd's raising the, the halakhic issue in that day of the Jew actually going into a non-Jew's home. Not that and, he wouldn't. And, and potentially becoming defiled halakhically according to the tradition at that time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he said he would. Yeah, he said he would. And I think I pointed out a few times where he deliberately became unclean. And we have one right here. Touching the uh, the coffin. Yeah. And also, and also in there, he said that because and because he makes his his normal round trips to the temple, he had he, he, there's this long process. He's of, got an extra week. He's yeah, got to put in. Exactly. That's exactly, exactly right. So he's got to do the the whole ashes of the heifer deal. Mm. And if his plan is to go up on Monday, be there on Thursday. For services on Friday, <laughs> that's not going to work. He's going to have to go a week early to make that whole magic happen, right? And it was also really, it was really cool how he rose that child from that. Raised. I mean, that raised. was well, you raised. Sorry, sorry, raised. He, he, that was just amazing. I mean, I thought, how awesome is that? <clears throat> well, can you imagine being there? I mean, you know, that's that's the whole thing, right? Blessed are we, the folks in this room, even little guys who believe, but didn't get to see all that stuff. We I mean, are missing, more blessed, but man, it would have been awesome, right? These people are missing a whole lot of what of what uh, the Holy Spirit can do. I mean, that was amazing how he did that. Yeah, absolutely true. Oh, mind-blowing. Yeshua calls out the towns that he did some of those things in because he did believe, and he said the people of Sodom and Gomorrah would have believed, Yeah, and the people of Nineveh will condemn you at... So we're going to talk about that towards the end of this here. I just I'm curious about what you think about this whole concept of he gets to his hometown and you know it's almost like his battery won't won't connect. You know, it's just they wouldn't believe and therefore he couldn't do anything. Whereas we go to the woman with the bleed with the bleeding, he wasn't even involved. Whereas her faith had made her whole. All right. Other comments on the uh, on the widow name, or actually, it's the, city. <coughs> the widow is unnamed who lives in name. Right. <laughs> right. So um, the fact that Yeshua rose, raised, raised, <laughs> raised uh, her son from the dead is is further confirmation that he is uh, divine because only God has that, that kind of power. However, I was talking to my wife about this, and she was saying, well, didn't Elijah and Elisha raise people from the dead? 
The answer is yes. Okay. But did they raise it, or did God raise them through him? Right. I guess the question she was asking is, how is it different from someone who is not convinced perspective when Yeshua does it versus when Elisha or Elijah do it? Hmm. I mean, my, my, my view is the fact that he raised someone from the dead by itself is not sufficient evidence for his okay. divinity. Right. Because... because other, um, people have done. other people have done. It's not like so this hasn't ever happened. Before. It's more proof that you should listen to what he's saying. It's 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 definitely uh, it's definitely testifying to the fact that he's a prophet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have in Deuteronomy chapter thirteen a very clear test. How do we know if this guy's a prophet? You know, signs and wonders. No, signs and wonders means he could be a prophet. It, it depends, what's what's the bottom line? It depends on. Uh, Faith and also the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it depends on is he teaching them oh, okay. to to be obedient to the Torah and and what he says does it come to pass? Exactly. Okay. So okay. can he can he foretell what's going to happen? Does it come to pass? Number one. Number two, is he teaching you what you've already been taught, or is this something new? If it's new, you don't need to you don't need to be afraid of him. Because he doesn't speak for God. Which makes us recognize that if we're reading the apostolic scriptures and we believe that they are part of the scriptures, they must be consistent with the Torah. If they're not, they're not scripture. I got one, two, and probably talk to me. Uh, to your question, I think like the biggest deal is that he himself was raised from the dead. That's kind of like the biggest evidence that he... I mean, because that's what Paul says, right? Is like the resurrection is like basically the bedrock of our faith, and and he keeps saying that like I'm not going to give a sign to this generation except the yeah. sign of Jonah, that you know the son of man will be in the earth for three days, you know. So like that, I think, is the big one. Okay. Not necessarily that he raised other people, no, but that no he himself laid their hands on him. And <laughs> yeah, that's astonishing. Right. That, that has right. never yeah. happened, and probably never. Well, will. not only that, but he said exactly when it would happen. Yeah, right. that's. And saying, That's pretty cool. I'm going to give them that sign. That's right. I am going to do that. Ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. That's, that's mind-blowing. That's one word. As far as, as far as the healings go, more than raising from the dead, because that was done previously, the, the healings that testify to his divinity most are giving uh, sight to the blind... Hearing to the deaf and, the and, uh, and and unmuting the dumb and the lame walking and the lame walking. These are mentioned in Isaiah as signs mm-hmm. of the Messiah. Well, and they're first mentioned in Shemot chapter three at the burning bush. Mm-hmm. That's true. When Hashem tells Moses, who makes the mute speak? Who who yeah. who gives the eyesight? Who gives the who, yeah. who, who makes the, the tongue talk? Yeah, I do. Right, so I so more than raising from the dead, those are the types of healings that actually make him uh, make him unique among prophets. That's right. That's so, exactly. So, if we're asking, like, from a perspective, like um, Brock was talking about, where there are others who have um, raised people from the dead, um, I guess I'm just kind of thinking in my mind how the priests were constantly questioning Yeshua when he was speaking. And where you said uh, that you were looking for things that he is just reiterating and pointing back to the Torah, Correct. not saying new things. And it just kind of got me thinking that he was constantly 
just reiterating things from the Torah. Yeah. Whereas the priests were questioning him and trying to like catch him off beat, like or, hoping that he would say something that was off. Or, or they wanted to, you know, figure out what was going on. I, I truly believe that many of them wanted to know. They wouldn't have followed him around Galilee walking through fields mm. if they didn't believe there was something special about him. Right. So yeah. if, I can, if, if, if I can get you to follow me because I raised this guy from the dead, take a look at everything from. else because we're just about up to the spot where John the baptizer, not the Baptist, remember? The baptizer. The baptizer could be John the Presbyterian, John the Church of God guy. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's where John says, you know, are, are, you, are, you, are you the one? Sends his disciples to ask that. What's what's Yeshua's response back to those disciples? Tell John to look at what's going on. Right? The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the mute speak, uh, the gospel's being preached to the poor, and so on. So and that and that had to harken them back to exactly what Greg was pointing out just a minute ago. Where where else were these things taught or spoken of? About? Exactly. Exactly. I think if we knew the Torah better than we do, we would find. I think you got a few more there. Um, I think we would find that there's a remez or a hint back to the Tanakh more often than we see. Mm-hmm. You can read through your study Bible and see all the little footnotes and whatnot, um, but there's probably more of those from a phrasing perspective that we're missing. All right, we've got to keep moving here. Um, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all of you who are Jewish, <laughs> And our labor, and it, no. Come to me, all of you who are Italian, which is really what my version says right here. Um, yeah. But, it, yes, the Roman version. <laughs> <laughs> Come to me, all who, are, who, who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you a right? we, we have an open calling here. And even, even though he, has, as you guys have pointed out, is ministering at this point almost exclusively to Jews. It is clear that there is an opportunity for non-Jews. Right? Uh, okay, we talked about the sign of Jonah. Um, did you get the math stuff on page 21 there? If you got the sign of Jonah, how many days, how many nights? Ben, how many days and nights? Three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. So uh, three you do the math. If he, was, if he was crucified on Friday morning, we got Friday day. We've got Friday night. We've got Saturday day. <laughs> We've got Friday day, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday morning. They, he wasn't there. <laughs> Let's try it again. So Friday, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, <laughs> Sunday. You don't have to know the new math. It doesn't work. But where do we get the idea that he was crucified on a Friday morning? Because the Gospels use, a, use a, some language that says that the Sabbath was approaching. Exactly. So to the day the, of preparation was upon them. So to the uninitiated... They assume that the only Sabbath is the weekly Sabbath. Exactly. So therefore, if it's a, approaching and it's the day of preparation, then that's Friday. There it is. So what, what they, other days do we have? To, right. They fail to recognize no, that, Passover. Yeah. that Passover, regardless of what day of the week it falls on, 
is also a Sabbath. It's a Yom Tov. I was going to ask, what do we call it? We call it a Yom Tov, but you heard him say that, so that doesn't count. You get no credit for that. <laughs> yeah, it's a Yom Tov. That's exactly right, which would be a Sabbath. By the way, halakhically, what has more weight? Weekly Sabbath or a Sabbath that only comes once a year? Nice try. Weekly it's the other way around. Weekly Sabbath, Weekly Sabbath takes Except for Yom Kippur. Except for Yom yeah. Kippur. That's exactly right. Why is Good. That? Hmm? Why is that? Um, if it's a Shabbat that's on the Shabbat, it only comes once a year. How is that? It's not that it comes. It's it's not that it's on a Shabbat. It is a Yom Tov. It is uh, a Shabbat. I thought you were saying it was a Shabbat that was also on. Oh, no, 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 no. What's more important halakhically to keep? Right. The Yom Tov or the Weekly Sabbath. And the Weekly Sabbath takes Always. the highest priority because it speaks and teaches us so much about the rest that is yet to come, the writer of Hebrews says, um, about the creation and our requirement to be under his authority because he has created us and the rest that he himself took. It's, it's just too much there. So yeah. it is... But yeah, David Thurman does take precedence. That's the only any one. Other. Yeah. So... so we are not allowed to fast on the weekly Sabbath. Right. No Unless and only if, uh, if rare occasion poor happens to fall on the weekly Sabbath, which, which it does. It does doesn't it push too? Every mm-hmm. no, no. No, that one doesn't push. That one doesn't push. It does every few every three or four years, you'll have Yom Kippur that lands on the weekly Sabbath, mm-hmm. and we will fast, even though it's the weekly Sabbath. But, for example, Rosh Hashanah, mm-hmm. right, Yom Teruah is the biblical name, when it falls on a the weekly Sabbath, we do not blow the shofar. Because it's the Sabbath. Because it's the Sabbath. So, um, the Sabbath takes precedence uh, because the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, is the true picture of the of the messianic age, okay. and so it is. It's and so it's got that much significance and that much um, holiness, mm-hmm. and so that's why it takes it takes precedence. And quite frankly, if I tell you that you know I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z because this is a holiday that only comes once a year, you get it. Anybody gets that. It's this day. It's a special day. But if I give that to the weekly Sabbath and say, no, I can't do that. I choose not to do that because it's the Sabbath. There's, there's just that much more of a witness. By the way, next year, Yom Kippur is on Shabbat. Yeah, we had it last, was, we, we were just saying, two years, two years ago, ago it, was, uh, yeah. it was on Shabbat. Yeah, 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 yeah so really yeah, it happens periodically. Okay, so what's the deal with hand washing? Oh, they're freaked out. The disciples, why, why they didn't wash their hands? Oh, Yeshua didn't wash his hands. What's up? What's the deal? You can eat bacon. Hmm? You can eat bacon. Clearly, that's the only conclusion. Back then, they can eat bacon. Now, so? all hand washing is bad. <laughs> right, right. Uh, why wash your hands? It's never water. supposed to wash your hands. What's the deal? What's the we bottom line? Tons of water. <laughs> the, the issue is they were kind of going over the top right. uh, and and they were they were making things that are supposed to be common and mundane they were 
elevating them to the same status as like temple holiness, yeah. which is now actually detracting from the holiness. Of exactly. The so we don't make it as special right. for the temple. So they would ritually wash their hands for just a regular meal and go above and beyond. And it's not what the Torah says. And it did cause a problem. So I believe the master probably always did whatever the Pharisees did. He was special. He was very strict in his halakha. They did not invite just any Joe to dinner. The Am Haaretz, the people of the land, were not invited. They, they, they kept themselves strictly very ritually clean and separate from the rest of the people. So to invite Yeshua to dinner was amazing, was extraordinary, and speaks to his halakha. So I believe he deliberately didn't wash his hands just to raise the issue. This is how it protesting. Yeah. Well, and, and it's an important nuance here because Yeshua is not saying that the tradition of washing hands is bad. Right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with washing hands. Uh, the, the issue was when they were saying your disciples are now in violation right. because they haven't done so, that's when he he intentionally elevated the discussion so he could make the point. Exactly right. And I think we're, we're going to see as we finish through the Gospels in the next couple of weeks, that's exactly what he does. He's raising issues to which he wants to bring some clarity, especially in the Pharisees' lives. Like uh, doing a, like, like doing those uh, certain things on the Sabbath and having the uh, uh, having the I think it was the priest knows. Well, what was what was what did he deliberately do on the Sabbath again and again and again? And you're reading this week deliberately went out of his way to do one thing on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. What did he do? Heal. He healed. Healed. Deliberately. He called it. He's you watching. It. He's waiting. Oh, look there. There. They want to see if I'm going to heal. You thought I'm going to heal. <laughs> Good stuff. There was one time when he didn't heal, and that was uh, plucking corn out of the corn out of the cornfield. I think. He was not. His disciples. His were. disciples. Heads were, of okay. grain. Hands of grain. Got it. Okay. Right. So the disciples are doing that, and the Pharisees, who are walking through the Pharisees. the region of Galilee, following him. Okay. Asked about that. Why are they doing? Um, what. It, what the elders, the tradition of the elders, say you shouldn't do. What does the Torah say? It says you can do that. Specifically says what they're doing is fine. You can't bring a bucket or a, 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 a basket in there, but you can certainly pick heads of grain. So, yes, Deuteronomy says you can pick grapes off a vineyard if you're passing through. You can pick grain if you're walking through a field. Now, the world tradition says that applies to laborers who are working in the field. So, if the laborers are working in the field, they can sustain themselves right. from, you know, from the field or the vineyard. If you're not a laborer and it's not your field, According to the sages, it did, it did not apply. Right. Exactly. Okay? 
But irrespective of that, the question that the Pharisees raised was a legitimate question. No, and they weren't trying to. No problem there at all. They weren't trying to tr- get. You know, they weren't out to get Yeshua. <laughs> Riding home to Jerusalem, I saw them doing it. Saw them doing it. The, 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 the fact was they were they were picking the heads of grain. Presumably, in order to eat it, they had to thresh it and winnow it in their hands right. to, to get the husk off, so they could eat the actual fruit. Um, the that is a prohibited. And that's one of the thirty-nine prohibited malachot. Absolutely, and and that was understood, and so that was a legitimate halakhic question. And this is where Yeshua uses this as an object lesson to teach. Not that the halakha, not that the halakha is wrong. Yeah, and that's a good point. If if you didn't pick up anything here yet, he never says that the halakha was wrong. His point that he, he uses in, uh, in this object lesson is he says, look, didn't, don't you remember in Samuel, in the book of Samuel, when David and his men were, you know, were, were running from Saul and his minions and, and they were hungry and there was no food, where did they go? David went into the temple and took the showbread off the, off the table of showbread and ate it. David is not a priest. He was not allowed to go in there, and he certainly was not supposed to be, you know, eating the holy bread on the on the table of sugar. I don't. I don't think he went in there. Or the priest there, brought it out. The, the priest, priest brought, brought it out. out. Yeah, I got right. the impression, though, maybe it was commentary that how often is that bread changed? Weekly. 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 So I, my understanding was they had just changed the bread. So now he's got the bread that was used for last week. Even but nobody's true. allowed to eat right. that except the priests. Because it's been set apart. That's right. Life. It's Kedoshim. So whether it was, and, and, and whether it had just been changed or not, the bread stayed fresh all seven days. Which is pretty which cool. Which was so, kind of cool. So the point that he's saying is, is the point that he's making is, is he's saying, look, David, who was not a priest, and his men, who were certainly not priests, ate you know, were, were, ate the bread that only belonged to priests on the Sabbath because they were hungry. Right. And then in, in uh, and then in one of the other synoptic, or no, not in the, uh, and it's a different story, in a different passage, he brings up the issue of, the priest hey, don't Sabbath. you know that every Shabbat the priests violate the Sabbath to perform their service? Yeah. So, the, the temple service trumps Shabbat because that's why the priests are able to violate Shabbat. Correct. But the hunger of men, right, the, the sustenance and the and alleviating the suffering of people trumps the temple. So if the temple trumps Shabbat and suffering and alleviating human human suffering uh, trumps the temple, then by definition alleviating human suffering trumps Shabbat. Amen. This is why he heals on Sabbath. Exactly. I think there's one more level beyond that in that he being the descendant of David and the rightful king was saying David, just alluding to the fact that David actually made sacrifice. David can't make sacrifice. He's He's not a priest. And yet Saul did it right before him 
And Saul lost his kingship because of it. But then David does it. So David's obviously something special. And he prophesies. So David is prophet, priest, and king. So David was top shelf. And later on, we see him saying about his disciples, how come they eat and drink? What are they drinking? You know, what's, how come they're not fasting, right? Well, the bridegroom is here. When the bridegroom's not here. So he's not only excellent with all that, but I think also, you know, David and the whole Messiah thing is there as well. So I always understood this, that it was um, more about the gathering. If you're not just to gather on Shabbat, rather that it was okay to eat, but... Um, so you're you saying you can't harvest, you can't winnow. Um, there was three malachot that, that were that were that they violated by doing this: harvesting, winnowing, and threshing. Threshing. Right. So then, are you're saying that it's not that that's the side of one, but in this case, they did it, violate those right. Malachot. But this was they because. So I guess in my mind, I'm thinking this is the other side of it that um, obviously they're not going. There's not a life and death. Death situation, but we're looking at this more along the lines of a fasting on a Shabbat, which is essentially what they would be doing if they did not uh, pull the grain. Is that my? Under, is that what you're trying to say? Is that they're? Well, I think by I not th- doing this, they would essentially be fasting well, not, therefore suffering. Not that on they were Shabbat. fasting, but that they they needed to be the sustained. And not, they needed to be sustained. Okay. And in the same way that you can heal on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. that you can take someone out of their misery. My goodness, what's more important? Paul says the ox. Right. Or the guy, right? So right. if you can pull the ox out of the ditch on Shabbat, surely you can heal a man on Shabbat. If a man is hungry, certainly you can feed him. And, you know, the sages will say that. Feed the poor. Mm-hmm. No question about it. The 39 mil coat, though, clearly says that what they did did not cut the mustard. But he gave great examples as to why it was appropriate yeah. and permissible. And you know, again and again, his point is not necessarily to overturn Holocaust. But to clarify, uh, just one modern, kind of modern example of this actual halakhic issue. Uh, I spent the Shabbat in Seattle with our friends at Samach David, and one of the leaders there, his <laughs> wife is a nurse, and so she's on call, sure. you know, periodically. Mm-hmm. Well, this week she happened to be on call, and so we're we're sitting at their the dining room table on Arab Shabbat, and her pager her goes up. Pager goes off. Yeah. She gets up, you know, and they're they're orthodox. I mean, they're full orthodox. She gets up and she gets ready and she gets in the car and she drives to the hospital, and it's totally kosher because of her occupation is an occupation that is all about same alleviating lives. human suffering. That's right. Firefighters, same thing. Totally, totally acceptable. Yep. Which we covered when we were doing the milk class. That if your neighbor or if your child yeah. is suffering or is going to die, then your obligation. If your if your neighbor is a doctor, it is their obligation to save the child Absolutely. or to you help bet. alleviate you the bet. bleeding or whatever whatever it was. And Absolutely. Hmm. All right. Question, real quick, going back to real quick. I got to finish up because I've always been curious about this. So Yeshua quotes in the context of the the grain discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, if only you would have known what it means when it says in the scripture, "I desire mercy and not sacrifice." So, in that particular context, is that not implying that they did, in fact, break the Sabbath and that w- the Pharisees should be merciful in that case? What, what's no, the I, I, why? I think the mercy is, the guys are hungry. Hmm. <laughs> okay. 
Give so a break. The guys are hungry. Merciful in the context of alleviating, alleviating suffering. suffering. They're obviously, okay. they know the Holocaust. They're obviously so hungry that they're doing this. Let's, let's, let's pour out a little grace here rather than going over the top. But you would only need to pour grace on something that was wrong. There is no question it was halakhically inappropriate okay. for them to do that. Is There's there not no question any question, that. though, that they should have been prepared prior to Shabbat? I think good point. I think That's a good point. Um, because I think bottom line, that wasn't the issue. That's not what he's trying to raise. I mean, we don't know how far and long they had been walking. Sure. And, you know, we don't we don't know all the details, yeah. but all we can all we can presuppose based on the evidence of the of what's described is that they needed to eat. Yeah, there it is. So. Yeah, this is good conversation, good stuff, you know, post online for, for those of you who've got more to say. Um, I'm on the last page, 22. We've got the sick and the healthy. We've got the righteous and the sinners. You, Me or you? It's, it's definitely you. Oh, hit the red button. Are you coming? Yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> 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 and three, we got that on the Septuagint. Uh, some say that Yeshua never claimed to be God. Are they right? No. They are not right. Mm, go. Um, I don't think he, so far in our reading, he's never explicitly said that he is God. In fact, when people say that, he said, don't, don't say that too loudly. But I think he doesn't correct them. Right. He, he doesn't says, say I'm not. When in fact says, John the baptizer did in fact say in fact said no I'm not this one I'm not this one I'm not this one. But well, I think, who are you? Kind correct. Of. But he he does tell them not to say it to Valley, but right, he does not tell them to not say it. But I think you can only from the things he says, like you know. I'm son of man. You know, I only do what the Father says. I have the you know, authority to forgive sins. Only God's authority to forgive sins. Some of the things he does and says, you can only come to the conclusion that he is God. In fact, I think he goes out of his way to make it clear. Look at this. Read this. Look around. You should draw the conclusion without question. Come? No. If, unless somebody else. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, is that what a rabbi does? Yeah, good he, point. He, he pointed them back to the scripture, gave them facts about himself, and then told them to draw the draw conclusion. Your conclusion. Right. Nice. So it's not me coming, you come to that conclusion right. Right. based on these things. Good. A good leader, a good teacher is the one who allows those around them to come to, to, their come own to the conclusion, conclusion on their own. If they're wrong, then they can help. That's, that's right. That's a warning. Yeah. The only way that the Pharisees could have had something on them is if he said something strong enough for them to. to Accuse him of blasphemy. Well, eventually he did. Right. And, when it, and it, it was blasphemy. Except in the rare case where you happen to be. But yeah, what? he also yeah. says, I am Father of One. Yes. And, I mean, the statement I'm assuming you're referring to is when he says, Your sins are forgiven. Is that the one you're. They say it at that point, but I thought they also have trouble when he says. Um, that he's they they trouble with a lot of things, but like the fact that he's from heaven, and then the statement that your sins are forgiven, and then I thought there was the yeah. they also have trouble when he says, "I and the Father are, are one." Yeah. Or or when they say when he says, uh, "I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me." 
think they were probably that one as well. Yeah. So, so there's two common titles that Yeshua uses or others use in reference to Yeshua. Son of Man. Oh, I was just thinking that one. Ben Adam in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Son of God. Ben Elohim. Which of those titles is true? No. Which of those titles <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> is is more indicative of divinity? Son of man. Son of man? Anybody have a different view on that? Son of man. Why? I remember the explanation. Why? Well, um, yes, he is the son of God. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, it is kind of um, self-explanatory. I mean, Jesus, yeah, he is. He was sent from God. Um, I wouldn't say son of God. I would be. I would kind of say son of man. Just and he was a prophet. He did help out uh, the people, but he was sent from God. That's just that's just my point of view. Okay. Does anybody have a, a, another thought on that? I feel like Todd. I remember an explanation. Oh, I know. I said I don't remember the explanation. I don't remember an explanation. Yeah. Oh, I know a son of man is more significant for some reason. Son of man is more significant. And the reason son of man is more significant is because the first time it's used in Scripture is Daniel chapter 7. When it describes the son of man coming on the clouds... With Atik Yamim, with the Ancient of Days. And so, how many regular Joes <laughs> come riding on the clouds with the Ancient of Days? Right? Exactly. So, from the Daniel prophecy in Daniel 7, where he uses the term for the first time in Scripture, and anytime a word is used first in Scripture, that's always the first place you look to try to context for what it might mean. That phrase, son of man, Ben Adam, is first used there in connection with this person or being or entity or whatever you want to call it coming on the clouds with great glory, etc., etc. And power was Son of God, every king of Israel is called son of God. Um... I remember this explanation. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Rishon is called Son of God, because it's the first Adam. We are all sons of God. Ben Elohim, though, more specifically, is in that context, uh, in that day, was more about kingship and and authority, not about any sort of possible divinity. Right. Son of man is a title that could lead one to the conclusion that this is a unique man. Yeah. Well, you, the Daniel passage that you reference is right before the master came on the scene was, was the talk of the town. I mean, they're all trying to figure out what is the deal here. So, right. The reason I wanted to sh- share that is because for those of us who may interact from time to time with um, Jewish people who are not believers in Yeshua as Messiah, a lot of times they'll say, 
was he really the son of God? Come on. Come on, Todd. This is was, was, was crazy. Son of God, come on. And the, and the answer to that is he was a son of God just like David was the son of God just like you're the son of God. Which does there not, is no There is nothing no, for your proof. There is no difficulty here. Yeah. So it's, they're asking the wrong question. That's exactly right. Well, and, and we're providing the wrong response. Right. So, so we're kind of talking like, so we're kind of saying that it's kind of the same thing that Jesus was the Son of Man because he was unique. He was a prophet, and he did help. The no, people. no, no. Son right. of Man is a title. It's a title. Sorry. So, Son of Man, he was he he was unique. He, uh, he did have that title. So we're saying that he has two titles. He has multiple titles. Yeah, multiple titles. titles. This week. Um, when you're done with your homework, do a word study of Son of Man. Just search where it is throughout the scripture. Okay. <clears throat> it's astonishing. All right. All right. Uh, hand out quickly so we can finish on time. I promise, Brett, we'll get out of here now. Last week we looked at John's opening account of the Gospels. How does it open? In the beginning. Our sheets. He brings us back to the creation story. You bet. And here... We're going to take a look at Luke's. Have you got a copy of this? You, you got it in the back of your thing? Last page of the study guide? You got it? Right. You got it? Yeah. One page. Wait, last page Second to last page of the study guide. Okay. All the way at the bottom. Page Roman uh, numeral 7. Starts out with Men of Torah, Lesson 2, Review. The review page will always be at the back. Are you going to get the latest one? I, I got it. You got it? You don't have it? You do have it. Go left one. What page is that? That's one. That's one too. So, download the latest one. There'll always be a new one when you come. Okay. Yeah, we'll walk through. So, Luke starts out with what pair of people? Who does Luke start talking to us about? Right at the top. And or Zachariah and Elizabeth. That's exactly right. Or Zachariah and Elizabeth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So. Uh, Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth, two faithful ones. His name means the Lord remembers. Her name means the oath of God. God remembers to bring the Redeemer of Israel that he had promised to do. So it's interesting, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and if you're talking with our friends uh, in the visible representation of the church that may have a problem with us keeping the Torah, this, this couple is extraordinary because they're on our side of the Bible. And it says two things about them. First, that they were righteous before God. Did you get it? We're voting. Your internet's a little slow. Thanks for that. I'm, I'm, I'm sending video all across the country. Um, so they're righteous before God, which is incredible because it doesn't speak anything of Yeshua. This is the righteousness that comes from keeping the commandments. And it says further that they were blameless in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So if you're talking to someone who says, well, you can't keep the Torah. You can't keep the law. What's wrong? Why even try? I mean, he gave us the law. He gave them the law. He didn't even give us the law. He gave them the law to prove that they were sinners because they couldn't keep it. And yet... They're keeping the Torah. Let me clarify one thing. Please. The, uh, they, they walked blamelessly in all the commandments. And statutes. So, right, which meant they kept the Torah. But based on what we learned this past 
Shabbat, their righteousness before God had to come from their faith in God, not from their keeping His commandments. Exactly right. If we get it backwards and think that we'll be righteous because we're keeping the commandments, you may have a physical righteousness, but it has nothing to do with your place in the world to come. Exactly right. If it's the other way around, that we recognize and have faith in His Messiah, and we keep the commandments because, well, He said so, then we have a different kind of righteousness. This is why we're going to have sacrifices again. This is why we're going to have sacrifices again. That's exactly right. So the big question. Did Yeshua have half his DNA DNA from Mary and half his DNA from the Holy One, blessed is he? Well, it would be kind of hard since I don't think the Holy One... Does the Holy One, blessed is he, have DNA? No, he makes DNA. (laughs) So so how do you get around that? And the answer is is pretty cool. If you look at Luke 1.32, I've got it there on your page, and he will be great... And he'll be called the Son of the Most High. It doesn't say he will be the Son of the Most High. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. Yes. Hmm? Got it? Mm-hmm. You don't have it? Yeah. Lesson 7, Lesson 2 review. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Lesson 2 review? Nothing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Italics. All the other references. It was encrypted. It was encrypted. Yeah, <laughs> okay, sorry, yeah, okay. Over the, okay. Uh, regular font. You've just thrown off sorts of curveballs. So, so um, to Frederick's point that he just made, that Yeshua was not 50% God and 50% man. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. We talked last week about that memra, that lagos, that... Dibber, if you will, in Hebrew, this representation of God Himself that can interact with us on the planet that He created. As uh, Greg used the example of the author writing himself into the story. That's, that's where we're at. So I gave a couple of verses there. Um, these are from uh, uh, Daniel Lancaster and uh, First Roots of Zion. I will be a father... I, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. That's an odd way of saying he, I'm his dad, because he's not. Um, in Psalm 2, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So, how do we explain what happened? The Spirit came upon Mary, and that's what the, that's what the angel said. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and and you'll be pregnant. Uh, I know some of the guys here remember when we had uh, an Orthodox rabbi speaking to us uh, one evening uh, for an extended period of time, and then when uh, the uh, the younger folk left, we had about five, six guys standing around this rabbi, literally, as I recall, for hours on end, and we had given him a personal guarantee that we would not touch the topic of Yeshua and whether or not he was God, man, Messiah, or anything. That was just off limits. And throughout the evening, he kept trying to bring it up. And we just kept putting it off. We wouldn't talk about it. And finally, it must have been like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. 
And we're all just getting punchy. We've been standing around talking, theology, back and forth. And finally, he blurts out, so you guys think, you actually think that the Holy One, blessed is He, actually defiled and raped a virgin of Israel. (laughs) And every guy in the room went apoplectic. (laughs) What are you talking about? Isn't that what you believe? And we had an opportunity to set him straight. And a lot of the things that, and it was, I was so proud of the men that were here that night. You know, just each guy, moved by the Spirit, just pulled out of their hat these various phrases and, uh, and uh, verses from the Tanakh that spoke of that. For example, in 1 Samuel, the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words. And he was there. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward and so forth. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the disciples, same deal. This is exactly the same phrasing that the angel Gabriel uses with Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. An amazing deal. Pregnant. So, how did it happen? Well, when God created the uh, heavens and the earth, and He hung the stars in the sky... Those stars are a long ways away. And he gave them the appearance of age. It didn't say that little bushes grew up into big trees. There were trees. There were trees in the garden. You don't plant trees. Trees have to grow. What we do now. Yeah. So everything had the appearance of age, including Adam himself who was not a baby and had to grow into a man, he created him with the appearance of age. In the same way, Mary became pregnant. I believe with the seed of her husband Joseph. No two ways about it. Where did the seed come from? Where did the tree come from? <laughs> where did the beam of light from that star that's 20 million whatever miles away come from? God made it. Mary's... Uh, Mary's given, I think, a remez about Elizabeth's pregnancy. The phrasing that the um, angel uses, saying that uh, she was in her sixth month uh, with her who was called barren. And that's just, if you're a, if you're a Jew, that's going to bring you right back to Sarah and Abraham. And then you're going to go through mentally all of these women who were big people in the Bible who originally started out barren. So I want to bring up one point before we go down the rest of this. Why was Elizabeth barren? That's the root question to a bunch of answers. There may be a bunch of answers, and I think we can speculate a lot. Yeshua says in the Bible, he in, for, about the man who had sinned, that he had not in, in who was paralyzed, I believe, that he had not sinned, but he had been left that way so that the work of God could be shown in him. Exactly. So we can, certainly, that was shown in Elizabeth, that, that God could demonstrate his power, that there could be teaching through her and so forth. Well, I can't say why she was barren. I can tell you why she was not. And it was not due to sin. How do I know that? 
she was blameless. She was blameless before the Lord with regard to the scriptures. She was righteous. So was her husband. Good. So, a um, couple thoughts. One is a cool little side note, which maybe nobody else will appreciate but me. <laughs> you never know. The gematria of Hashem. <laughs> All right, wait, of course it's wait. Gematria. Does everybody understand? Do you understand gematria? No. I okay, guess. so this is like Jewish numbering. Fancy footwork with numbers. Okay, so every letter's got a number, every word's got a number, you know, the whole deal. So now he's going to start out. He's going to say the, the number, the gematria of Hashem. Okay, so he's going to take the letters, he's going to add them all up, and he knows it off the top of his head. So watch this, this is cool. The gematria of Hashem plus the gematria of Miriam equals the gematria of Yeshu. Oh, that's. Wow. Um, <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. I like that. I want to know more about that. To find me after that. <laughs> I just think that's cool. That anyway, is cool. Um, oh, man. I'm writing that one down. The, 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 uh, bless me. The, the other comment <laughs> respect to the mothers of our faith are really almost... All of the biblical women who are central to redemption all have all, are all barren. Right. Why is that? According to the view of, of some of the sages, it's because redemption has to come through prayer and through... Um, uh, Effort through prayer and and faith and and so starting with Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Hannah, you know Eli Elisheva, all Ruth. the way all the way down, the the redemption of Israel comes through prayer and and spiritual uh, effort. Amen. And that is, that is, in the opinion of some, the reason why there's this continual theme of these righteous women being barren. Yeah, it's cool. And there's great, obviously great um, good and great glory for God that comes out of this at, at the end of the day. So if that's the case, that barren women are used by God to bring Him glory. How much more glory does He get when a virgin has a baby? It's even beyond barren. But He still had a barren girl in the story, which I think is amazing. The other question, the other comment I want to make, or actually it's really a question, going back to, you know, was he half man, half God? Yeah. yeah. When Yeshua walked the planet, was he God? Are you asking? I'm asking. Ooh, tough question. <laughs> it's, it's not possible. Not possible that he was or that he wasn't? It's not possible that he... Um, had the fullness of God. We have two reasons for this. One, Paul makes it clear uh, in the Kenosis passage that he reduced himself 
from God to man. And secondly, we find, as we're going to read in the next couple of weeks in the Gospels, that when he's questioned about the coming of Messiah and so forth, he made it clear, no one knows that day or hour but the Father. Mm-hmm. So if he had been omniscient, completely, obviously he knew some things, he knew all men's hearts and all that kind of stuff, but there was limitations there. Um, that's not to say that he didn't limit himself to that, but I would, my answer would be, not, not in the way we see the Holy Spirit, blessed is he. And, and, and I agree with that, and the, and the reason I've posed the question is because while we believe that Yeshua is divine, and certainly if you came from a Christian background, Christ, Christianity at least, yeah, big time. at least what I was taught was that he was, he, when he was on the planet, he was God. God himself, that's right. But I don't think that that's actually what the scripture says, and I don't think, just by the evidence of the stories and the and what we have, that that's that's completely yeah. a, a completely yeah. accurate it, way to think it, about it. Misses, it misses it misses a couple of things, and we should right. see that as we go through this, right? Because we're not we're not trying to pose it all before we get to it. We're just reading as we go and seeing it. Okay. My final point on. Um, on Mary not giving birth to God's son, but giving birth to Joseph's son, who would be called Son of the Most High, uh, is that his lineage is laid out both in Matthew 1 and in Luke 3. In both cases, it makes it clear, his father's Joseph, not God. If his father was Joseph, or wasn't Joseph, and those two passages are wrong. And there's a lie in your Bible. I hate it when that happens, don't you? you give me the last uh, prayer on that uh, book, if you would. I'd love to chat with you more, men. I'm four minutes over. That means I owe you four minutes next week. It's in the, uh, it's in the front. It's in the front? Oh, okay. It's the bottom half. Ah. Now, if you're asked to, to call on to do this, you're probably going to do it next week, so practice um, you have to read this prayer in the plural. It's very difficult to do that on the fly and make it sound like you're actually mm-hmm. reading it verbatim and you don't sound stilted. Yeah, the first part is actually Modan That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> we thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall and that you have not established our portion with idlers. For we arise early, and they arise early. We arise early for words of Torah, and they arise early for idle words. We toil, and they toil. We toil and receive reward, and they toil and do not receive reward. We run, and they run. We run to the life of the world to come, and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, and you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for us, we will trust in you. Amen. Amen.